Hello podcast friends and family and welcome back to another episode of the Back Pain and Injury Podcast. Now today we are talking about the sacroiliac joint. The sacroiliac joint or SIJ is an area that remains contentious despite all of the research into it. Sacroiliac joint dysfunction is still a term that gets banded around despite there being limited consensus for what that term even means. So we thought we'd have a really good chat to Wilfred Simon about it. Wilfred, a.k.a. the Spine Physio, is an osteopath and physiotherapist from Belgium who's, re- who's been regularly posting some really high-quality information on his Instagram page about back pain and numerous other conditions for the last few years. So we thought it was high time to get him on. So we discussed the sacroiliac the sacro- joint in terms of what it does, if it can cause pain, and what, if anything, sacroiliac joint dysfunction actually means. So you can expect to learn on today's episode if your sacroiliac joint can be a cause of pain, if it can go out of place, if it can go back into place, and what to do if you do actually have pain from that joint. But that's it from me. I'll leave you to sit back and enjoy this episode with the spine physio, Wilfred Simon. Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain-free. So, if you're driving to work, tidy in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, or good morning, depending on when you are listening to us. Welcome to listeners of The Back Pain Podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by Wilfred, who also known as The Spine Physio on Instagram, who is a very, very good educator of all things back pain, spine pain, physiotherapy, osteopathy, you name it. He's probably covered it on his Instagram page. So welcome to the podcast, finally. Thanks for having me, Rob. It's a pleasure to, to see you finally. Yeah, <laughs> good, yes. And uh, yeah, and you're joining us all the way from Belgium, I believe. Yes, I live in Antwerp in Belgium, but I originally come from France, from Paris. So oh. I moved like six years ago to Belgium. Fun. Brilliant. And we're just discussing the weather. So uh, it's 30 degrees where you are, about 26 where I am. So you win on, on today's weather front, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's actually so th- great. It's great. Br- brilliant. So I, th- I thought we'd get you on to have a chat all around um, SIJ or the sacroiliac joint, which is a term which is filled with how do we put it? False information and dubious information and absolute certainties by some practitioners. So I thought we'd just kind of have a bit of a chat around the sacroiliac joint. So if I kind of set you up initially and said, what is it? What is the sacroiliac joint? You know, it's a term we, we hear a lot, but what actually is it? Yeah, so the sacroiliac joint, it's a, it's a joint, like we said, uh, between the sacrum and the iliac bone, so the, the, the pelvis. Um, and it makes the link between the two of them, of course. Um, we have to see it like an entity, not only with this joint, but like a complex within the spine, the pelvic grid and, and the hip. So it makes the connection between what's above and what's under. So all the forces you could have from above, I mean, your spine, your arms, your head, uh, going down through those two joints and the, the 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 reactions that you can have from the ground when you walk for example uh, it's having pressure from down going up through also this joint so it's 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 a connection point between above and under and it's 
when, when you use the term joint, you know, people think of like an elbow joint, you know, it's a, or, or a wrist or a knee or something like that. Those are the joints that people usually consider. They don't usually think about joints kind of, you know, on the left and right of the pelvis. And is that, you know, elbows move a lot. These joints don't really move a great deal. Is that right? No, indeed, indeed. Uh, and you took a very good example with the elbow. I, I like to to talk about the elbow with the patient because because we can really see it. We we see that we are moving a joint. We see the muscles moving as well, contracting. And how can you look at your butt? <laughs> you, you can have a you can have a look in the in the mirror, but you won't see it. And you don't have it. You, if you don't have the anatomy in your head, you, you don't have this perspective that we could have as a physio, as a patient. It's totally different. So like you said, indeed, it's not like the elbow. There is uh, no much movement. Actually, uh, it's only three degrees movement. So it's barely nothing. And I'm only talking about flexion extension, so forward and backwards. But if you take the other some small movements, uh, I think we can say zero. <laughs> it's a little bit more, of course, but uh, does it have to be taken into account? I don't. I don't think so. Mm. I don't think so. So tiny, tiny amounts of movement. So mm. when we are, you know, said walking, and it transfers some load from the upper body to the lower body, it, yeah, it's minuscule. You know, is that detectable? Mm. Can I, as a patient, or you know, can I feel that joint move? You know, is it something which which does, or is it, you know, I know when my elbow's moved. You know, we have that proprioceptive feedback, course, but do we have the same with three degrees of motion? I would say that that's a good word to use, like perception. Maybe the patient, when he has pain, he could have this perception of movement, but it's something different. Actually, there is no, very no movement. And the patient would feel more movement of his pelvis, of his iliac, of his hip, of his lumbar spine, uh, rather than really the joint by itself. But uh, it's something else you said, the perception. Yeah, when people are in pain, um, they feel something different. They believe they feel something different and mm. it's not uh always true like with these joints um it's also something who can be put in the head of a patient because of other practitioners like your uh <laughs> sacral junk is out of place for example and i put it back in place uh, i did some manipulation some trust on it and puff it's going back again. So there is all this misbelief, um, which are, um, it's, it's a little bit of shame, but pushed by some clinicians, uh, maybe to reassure patients. It's, it, it always starts with a, a good, a good way, I, I would say, but, mm. uh, that's not good yet. It brings more fear. It brings more insanity. Um, and, and that's why we're talking about it today. Yeah. And I think that's, I think we'll come on to this kind of in greater detail, but as you said, it always comes from a good place. It's mm -hmm. not a, it comes with good intentions, but you know, there are a lot of kind of misnomers and stuff, but when we're looking at that kind of sacred iliac joint, it's also really deep to the spine. So when someone comes in and says, I've got, you know, if you feel, I, I say to patients like the sacred iliac joints, the, you know, kind of the bumps either side of your low back you know that's kind of where they start give or take just kind of above or below the belt line depending on how how high or low your trousers are but those little bumps on either side but the actual joint and the joint capsule is a good kind of you know half an inch an inch beneath that if anyone's dissected one in a, in a cadaver lab they're really far beneath that area so it's not like just 
because you have pain superficially in that area means it's coming from beneath that. You can't really feel that joint either. So it is a very deep joint to the body. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point to make. Um, that's like you say, huh? like we said, the, the, the feeling of the patient is like, I can point where my pain is. So that's where I have pain. But mm. actually you are, you have the skin first and eventually you have some, some fat tissues, uh, depending on the type of person. Of course, uh, you have other things, uh, ligaments, muscles, uh, the capsule. So, I mean, a lot of tissues, which are not the joint by itself related to the joint in, uh, around, around the joint, of course, but it's not the joints and those tissues can also be sensitive not only because of this joint, but also because of other areas. Uh, like, uh, for example, you 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 just have a shock against something very hard, and then you have some hematome, you have some some blow circle. It's not only the point where you touch which is sensitive; it's also around the area. It's like you you start with maybe just a point, but then it's getting wider and wider and wider and and people should see also the pain like this like there is some sensitivity in the place but it's not actually always the place they have the the pain that's that's a really good point and i think the analogy which i often use with patients is if you have a really bad ankle sprain Mm-hmm. You might not have injured everywhere be- below your knee to your toes, but it mm-hmm. is very sensitive along that whole area. The muscles mm-hmm. are very oversensitized, the ankle itself, the toes, the foot, all of that can be very tender. Mm-hmm. And everything that comes along with that, you know, the fear around it, you can touch an area that can feel very painful and yeah. people will jump, you know, because of the fear associated with that. Spines are no different to that. You know, you have an acute injury and it can be very painful, very scary. So it sensitizes all of the tissues around it. So you can hurt your low back. You can have some, you know, normal low back pain and it mm. can be terrifying 10 out of 10 pain. And that area around the SI joint can be really sensitive as well, but that doesn't mean it is an SI joint problem, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I would add, I would add the, the patient first, he has pain somewhere, uh, actually around the SI joint. Does he know really the, the, the name SI joint? No. Who, who knows those, those, those term? Okay. You, you would have heard, uh, hernia, for example, a bit more or lower back, but SI joint, it's very specific. Yeah. How could you know this? Except if you went on Google, except if you heard it from your, uh, uh, physiotherapist, osteopath, chiropractor, uh, GP, I don't know, but <laughs> yeah so specific so it comes yeah. from somewhere else yeah uh, that, that's and, true actually and, and if the patient comes to you with this term uh the question is how did he did he did he hear this word uh from from where it came and that's, that's interesting a, yeah. to 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 start a discussion around it and in this way you can have a, a better picture about what's the belief of the patient and around this area yeah. That's a really interesting point, actually, is asking a patient where they where they understood that or where they mm-hmm. got that term and mm-hmm. what it means to them as well. So, uh, you know, because it can obviously mean something very different. A prime example, I don't know whether this crosses the language barrier as well for you, but a lot of patients, you know, uh, you know, I was exactly the same until I took an anatomy lesson. You don't really know where your hips are. And if most people <laughs> say I have, I have hip pain. You know, and they'll point to the sacroiliac joint area or the side of the hip as well, you know, kind of the greater trochanter area, that lateral bit that sticks out of the side of your side pocket. And that's mostly where people think a hip is, whereas we know, you know, as 
medical professionals that when most people have a hip pathology, it's, the pain is much more groin related generally mm-hmm. um, than, than, than kind of in the low back area. So that is when people have the limited anatomical awareness, they'll say actually, oh, it's my hip. And they'll point to that sacred liac joint area. Yeah. Is that something that happens in, 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 in French as well? Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> just, you're right, you're right. Oh, no good. So there are some pathologies that can cause sacred iliac joint pain. Is that right? Of course. I think the, the, the first one I would say would be about inflammation coming from the eggshell spondyloarthritis. Uh, that's really typical from it. Like where when you have those, those bearing uh, places, joints, who takes a lot of weight, then they react to it. And this inflammation process makes the, the area sensitive. And there are really objectives, things that you can see on a scan. And so this way you can relate what's the clinical situation of the patient. So his pain, his, his pain um, the, 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 the test you could do eventually uh, during the, the clinical uh, assessment. And also what you can see on the images. So mm-hmm. that's that's maybe the, the first one, which is the most important. So the inflammation of the area. Um, you also have all those uh, pregnancy related pain. So how many times do we hear, uh, I do personally, a lot of women having pain in this area. Okay. Um, and the common belief is to say that because of the changes in the hormones during the pregnancy, that it's making the ligaments a bit too uh, relaxed and that cause some laxity in this area and causing pain, but it hasn't been proven. So it's a bit of, uh, you know, pain. Yeah. So that's the issue, but it's not like this. It's more complex. Yeah. And of course there are a lot of other situations like you felt on, on, on your, on your, on your butt, uh, you had some, I don't know, car accident or something mm. trauma could cause uh, this type of pain yeah mm. i think it's more logical with this yeah. type of situation and it's a it's that from what i understood it's the kind of the, the car accidents where you know there's a foot on the pedal and it's mm-hmm. that kind of difference in foot position it's landing on really heavily on one leg it's landing really heavily on one buttock and it's that force that gets kind yeah. of shifted through the through the pelvis that can cause that which probably the amount of force needed also will probably cause a lot of other injuries as well mm-hmm. you know to yeah. a lot of the other local tissues so it's it's pretty um yeah pretty significant trauma you know i think i remember a lecturer saying if you weren't in the in a car accident on the way here or you're not pregnant it's probably not your your sacredly at joint <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 bastardizing somewhat of what he said but it wasn't too far too far removed from that so yeah that that's one and do, do you feel that it's then over diagnosed these days you know are are we diagnosing more or i say we are patients being diagnosed more frequently with you know, sacred iliac joint pain or sacred iliac joint dysfunction than they need to be? Yeah, way much more, way much more. Um, sorry for you, but I, I think it's it comes from a lot of chiropractors. Uh, when you see all those videos on YouTube, um, assessing the legs, the leg length, and doing some manipulations on, on, the, on, the, on the sacrum and telling some things, I have more and more patients coming to the practice and saying, I saw those videos on YouTube and I feel quite relaxing because I see those cracks and those pops and it feels good to see it. And I want the same actually. 
and the patient comes to you with a diagnosis. He says, I have pain there, it's this. So I'm waiting for this. Uh, I say chiropractor, but it could be osteopathy as well. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's a really it's hard one. I school, by the way. Yeah. But, uh, it's, it's a really hard one because, you know, we know how important patient beliefs and expectations are when it comes to yes. managing lower back pain. So there's an element of if they believe something, and maybe this is the question for you, if you have a patient who comes to you with, you know, they might have seen lots of people for a decade, 10 years, 20 years, mm -hmm. and they've always told them it's their left sacroiliac joint that's the problem. How do you have that conversation of, you know, it might be something else or have you considered other options? Obviously, you're not going to say you're wrong from the first minute someone walks in the door. I mean, maybe you do. Um, but how... Yeah, how do you go about having that conversation if you do? And do you think that you always need to? Or is it sometimes okay just to let them let them have a belief like that? I never tell them from the beginning that it's, it's not what they think. Otherwise, how could you create a good uh, alliance with the patient if from the beginning you say, no, everybody you saw before, um, they are wrong, I'm, a, I'm, a tr I'm, I'm true. That's not how it works. You you have to create some uh, friendship, like creating a bond between the patient and with you. So I'm more a person who try to demonstrate during the session with words, with specific movement, with tests as well. I like to use some tests to say, uh, look, it's sensitive there. Look, it's sensitive also there. Um, do you think, and also make the patient think about it, that it comes from him and not from us um, to, 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 to let it, yeah, that the patient could, could think a little bit more. And then if it doesn't work, then let it go. If the patient feels well after the session, why would I take the role of being the, 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 the change mind? I, I don't know how to say, uh, I think you know what I mean, but I, my goal is not to, to change every mind. It's not always possible, actually. I would like to, but it's not always possible. <laughs> so is there an argument to say, does it matter? You know, if, you know, it, does it matter if someone's being diagnosed with this down the road by another chiro, physio, osteo? Does it matter? And, you know, why? I mean, obviously it does, because we're talking about it now on a podcast, mm -hmm. which we want patients to listen to. But so why does it matter? It does matter in a certain way when we want the patient to be autonomous, um, when we want the patient to do not be uh, dependent of us, when we want the patient that he doesn't call us, for example, once per year, even if it's not so much, actually. But you want the patient to be able to treat his own body without the need of us. We have enough patients. We don't need more patients, actually. And <laughs> we... We want the patients to have a better consciousness of their body, to be their own physiotherapist, actually, or own osteopath, but without the manual therapy. Sometimes it could be needed, okay? Otherwise, we won't do our job. But that's not why we, what we reach. We are reaching something better, something wider for the patient. I love that. That's really important. And I think that's, you know, developing that autonomy 
is so, so important with the patient. So we're going to take a quick break here for me to tell you all about the polo shirt I'm currently wearing from the healthcare company. Now they specialise in making polo shirts for healthcare professionals, knowing they have to be comfy, flexible and breathable whilst also looking smart. I've worn mine almost every day for work since I've had it and I know I, as well as my team, will be purchasing many more. They have a wide range of colours and embroidery options to suit your brand, so please check them out, the healthcare company online. You can find links in the bio of this episode. We don't want patients, and I might have said this before on episodes, we don't want patients thinking their back has gone out of place or their sacred iliac joint has dislocated Mm -hmm. when they sneeze or when they pick up a heavy box. We want them thinking, okay, this is an area that's a bit sensitive, a bit irritated. It's sore, but it's haven't damaged or broken anything. I have the tools in my own arsenal to help manage my own pain, whether that's the exercises, you know, that will forgave me, whether it's the, you know, the rehab, whether it's the, you know, tens machine doesn't matter. You know, we want to give them the autonomy to, to self-manage their pain. So yeah, that's a really good answer. Thank you for that. <laughs> and also we're talking about pain. We're not talking about the sacroiliac joints by itself, mm. we are talking about pain. Mm. So it's not just to one region, yeah. it's it's a whole person, of course. Yeah, treating the person, not the pain or not the problem, I should say. Of yeah, course. of course. So, you know, I, I kind of mentioned that dislocating going out of place. We're talking about it moving a couple of degrees. Can it go out of place or, you know, go in and out the sacroiliac joint? Yes, it can, but the patient won't be <laughs> won't be on your table. <laughs> yeah. The patient would be at the emergency yeah. because he has a big trauma. Mm. Definitely, definitely. For example, you have some cases of people with a lot of rheumatism, so it's really affecting the joint um, and the environment of the joint. And with uh, a fall, it could make some fracture. Uh, around mm. the, the 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 first part of the sacrum, yeah. it's possible. And the fracture and a little bit of yeah. dislocation so movements out of out of place but yeah that the patient won't be able to walk yeah so so so, so it's not it's not someone that's going to walk into our clinic and and have a have no, a sacroiliac joint kind of out of place <laughs> yeah definitely that makes not. sense definitely and not. Then it's just impossible the the converse question to that is does it does manipulation actually do anything to the joint then if we know it can't go out of place manipulation can't put it back into place mm-hmm. so can it even be manipulated, adjusted, cracked, popped, whatever, whatever kind of terminology you want to use. Maybe you can have some, some, some noise, but are you sure it's on this joint? Is it not just above? It'd be possible. Um, but the thing is, it's not about what's happening when there is manipulation on it. I mean, mechanically happening, but more about what's happening in the head of the patient. When there is this manipulation, how does it feel? Does it feel good? Not good? What's the process behind this? And we know, of course, now that there is so much more factors, external factors, when you have some stress manipulation going from above to down at the region of the manipulation, then, then really at the, at the joint by itself, what's happening uh, going back in place or I don't know. Good. So, so it's more about what what, what is what a manipulation creates overall, as opposed to at the level of that joint. It's the, the overarching effect with patient beliefs, patient understanding, mm-hmm. all of those mm-hmm. things. Okay. Um, and then the, the term 
joint dysfunction or sacroiliac joint dysfunction, mm-hmm. it's a bit of a, it doesn't really mean anything. It's you a know, bit of everything. It's, it's a bit of everything. You know, is it a bit like just saying non-specific low back pain? You know, is it is it the same thing? But, we're, you know, we're not getting down into specifics of sacroiliac joint, but it's a dysfunction. We can't really feel whether it's moving well enough. So is this just a term that is kind of pointless, really? Yeah, I, I think too. It's pointless. Uh, <laughs> it's like you have a bin and you want to put all the things inside and just say, okay, the name of the bin is dysfunction. That's it. <laughs> just... <laughs> yeah. You don't take any risk, but still you're um, you're pointing out that there is a dysfunction. It's not functionally good, but when you look at the the joint by itself mechanically, it's functioning actually. But it's the perception of the patient around this joint which is different. Um, so no, there is no dysfunction. Basically, mm-hmm. also it's based on so much uh, myths around. How does it move? Different axes you have uh, of the sacrum. Um, no, there is no need to, to say this word dysfunction. No, because Sensi- we can't even sensitivity is yeah. better. Yeah, Sen- sensitivity, Sequ- and we can't even agree on what dysfunction is really. No, you know because no. we're going to have patients thinking about yeah, uh, clinicians even kind of talking about you know, it's moving this way, it's stuck that way, it doesn't move this way, it doesn't move enough this way. But if we get 100 clinicians in one room, the chance of them all agreeing on which which way it's stuck is it's slim to none, really. And that might be exactly. a bit of a shock for some patients listening. Mm-hmm. Um, there are palpation skills, you know, which means how we feel when a move, when a, how a joint is moving or a muscle feels, uh, whether it feels tight or stiff or short, are actually very unreliable, aren't they? There, there. Are, uh, like I said earlier, you, you all, you have all those tissues. How can you uh, point your finger out where you want? It's, not, it's not possible. You mm. would think that's the case, but it's not the case. It has been proven that that the interreliability is very bad, very bad about assessing uh, a point, a zone, but also with the movement actually. Yeah. So and 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 what's the point actually of making this? we are still in this uh, mechanically thinking about the joint and we are forgetting what's, what's, what the patient feels actually. Uh, yeah. What I like to do when I assess a region is always asking, what do you feel and how do you feel actually? How do you feel? Not only what do you feel, but how do you feel? And that gives so much information about, I don't feel anything. I don't dare to do this movement. I feel instability. Uh, I feel like it's it will be locked, for example, and it gives way much more information about how to treat the patient within the movement afterwards, uh, but working around the psychology of the patient within the movement. I love, I love, I love that. That's a brilliant answer. Thank you. Um, when you for, for the clinicians who are listening to us, so the physios, the chiros, the osteos, the you know sports massage therapists, the GSRs, everyone who's listening to this who might see patients with, I'm trying not to forget anyone you see, um, all the people who are listening to this who might see patients with low back pain, they're probably shouting at this, thinking, "What about the cluster of Laslett? You know, the the four tests which Mark Laslett." Um, produced for looking at sacroiliac joint and it's the Gainsland's test, the um, the Faber's test, the thigh thrust, the SI distraction, those kind of four tests which we do. 
what about them? Do they, you know, if someone has pain on those, does that mean they have pain coming from their SI joint or their SI is sensitive at all? First, you have to be sure. Is there any information coming from, coming from other places than the sacroiliac joint? Uh, you have to rule out the lower spine. Is there any sign of centralization, peripheralization? I mean, is there any pain going down from the spine? to this sacroiliac joint and even further, eventually in the buttock. So that's important to rule it out. Um, you could also have pain coming from the hip. Um, th there is a lot of tissues and joints around this. So we have to be sure and being sure is always difficult, by the way, clinically, I mean. Um, then after this, you could eventually test the sacroiliac joint, but it has been shown that if you even do this lastlet cluster, if it's positive, you're not very sure it's positive. It's not like 100% sure. Actually, it's like 32% it's positive having a sacroiliac joint pain when you have a positive lastlet cluster. And when it's negative, it's 92% that it's ruling out. So if the lastlet cluster is negative, you have more chance to be sure it's not coming from there than if it's positive, that it comes from there. So it's better using the last cluster to rule it out than to rule it in. Okay, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's always a, the same. Yeah. Clinically, clinically, can you have a 100% accuracy of a test or even a cluster? No, no, None. it's not possible. There are, there are too many factors. Uh, those yeah. numbers, they are always coming from studies, but studies is not what always uh, can be yeah. seen in, in practice. And even though, what else? <laughs> yeah. if, if, if you are 100% sure it's the sacroiliac when what are you going to do after? Mm. Injection? Yes, no. We cannot put injection to patients like, like this. No, it's not the way. Huh? Yeah. Because we are talking around the self-management again. So it's always the same thing. It's working around the pain. Uh, working around how the patient feels, how can we improve his daily activities? Uh, it's a process. It's a process. Yeah. So then when you have someone with these beliefs and, you know, we're addressing them as, as a person rather than getting bogged down into the kind of biomechanical problem and focusing on the sacroiliac joint, what are the overarching features that you look to help a patient with? You know, so someone has some pain how do you manage it, you know, without being too focused on this specific joint and this specific exercise and this specific treatment, you know, how do we, you know, how do we treat it for the people listening who are in pain? You know, what are the steps which a good clinician should be doing? What comes in my mind first, uh, would be about looking what are the movements, the activities, which are painful and then to work around these activities. So I'm talking about more a global movement and not a specific movement. Uh, of course, it becomes to be a little bit more specific uh, when you want to go deeper in this uh, movement, but it's a global movement and you want to be sure this patient doesn't have any disability with this movement, that he can perform what it, whatever he wants with this. And then our goal is to uh, work around these things to make the patient able to to do it to make the the movement less sensitive less irritable 
so we can for example uh, split the movement in other movements we can change the the axis of the movement to have more or less gravity on it or more uh, strain on the region and that's how you you the patients also understand a little bit more how it's going uh in a less painful way and he moves better he have more confidence within the movement that's the biggest one is giving them the confidence to do a move that was painful before and something we've spoken about numerous times is that that you see a patient and you can see someone kind of light up and get really excited when you've got them to do something which they didn't think they could do before or they've come back in and they've said i've managed to do a golf swing because yeah. you haven't said take out your biggest club and do a big swing you've said just go with a little club and do a little swing and hopefully you'll get back to get back to golf and we know that the movement and the confidence is the best thing which they can be doing for their pain really can't they that's why we do our job <laughs> that is <laughs> why if we, we don't do feel job. the gratitude of the patients then no no it's, it's it's a fantastic job we have that's good i think that's a really good note to end on i think the last question i had for you was you know if you have one piece of advice for people out there with back pain what would it be I'll put you on the to spot have, now. Sorry, to, to, <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, to trust the future, to trust the process. Not trust every day process. is the same. Not every day is pain-free, but that's what makes the patient stronger. Actually, that's what makes you stronger. It's understand, understand, understanding. Sorry, more uh, what's happening. What are the different options to get better? And the patient will feel stronger after this. Very much stronger. Fantastic. Thank you. Where can people go to find out more about you? We'll pop links in the show notes, but uh, just shout them out now. If for anyone who sat on their phone, where can they go and find you? So uh, on Instagram, the spine physio, the point spine point physio, of course. Uh, and then it's my only channel, actually, at the moment. <laughs> at, at, at the moment. Well, I think you're doing pretty well on Instagram. I don't know how many thousand followers you've got, but you've got enough out there, haven't you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a nice process. I like it. That's that's a way to to express things we cannot do um, in the practice. Yeah. I love this. Brilliant. And I, I I think I'm putting you on the spot now again by saying you're going to have a podcast coming out soon. I, I know. I'm, I can feel it. You're going to have a podcast coming <laughs> I out. I have soon. the micro. I have the micro. That's the most important. Fantastic. That equipment is arguably the most important of starting a podcast. You know, I, I would support that. Quality of sound, of course, of course. Quality of sound. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. It's been wonderful. I've really enjoyed that discussion and I'm really looking forward to catching everyone on the next episode. Over and out. <laughs>